Hi, I'm Karina Bemisterfer, host of Morning Cup of Murder, your daily true crime podcast. Yes, you heard me right. Daily true crime. Every day, Morning Cup of Murder tells you a straightforward, short-form story about murder, true crime, cold cases, disappearances, serial killers, cults, and more. And I do that all in under 15 minutes. With over three years of stories and over 20 million downloads, the Morning Cup of Murder podcast has become a staple of so many people's daily routines. So why not add it to yours? Stream Morning Cup of Murder everywhere you listen to podcasts. And remember, stay safe. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. In January of 1915, a detective inspector by the name Arthur Neal received a letter that would not only change the course of his career, but change the way criminals were brought to trial in 1900s London. The letter and all of its strange contents wove together a story that brought him to a man born January 11, 1872, named George Joseph Smith. So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Detective Inspector Arthur Neal received a letter from a man named Joseph Crossley in 1915. Joseph, who owned a boarding house in Blackpool, Lancashire, expressed that there was suspicion swirling around the similarities between two deaths, one of which occurred in his boarding house. He included two newspaper clippings. One was from the News of the World that was dated before Christmas in 1914. It was about the death of 38-year-old Margaret Elizabeth Lloyd, who died in Highgate, London, and was found in the bathtub by her husband, John Lloyd. The next referred to the death of Alice Smith, who died suddenly in a boarding house, Mr. Crossley's, and was found in her bathtub by her husband, George Smith. Most would have chalked these cases up to sad coincidences, nothing nefarious about them. But these murders were just similar enough that it piqued Arthur's interest. He visited where the Lloyds were living and asked to see the bathtub. Immediately, he was struck with disbelief. The tub, which was rather small, seemed impossible to drown in, especially since it was only three-fourths of the way full. So, he interviewed the coroner and asked if there were any signs of violence. According to the doctor, barring a small bruise on her elbow, there were none. He dug a little deeper and found that, just three hours before Mrs. Lloyd died, a new will was drawn up and her husband was made the sole beneficiary. Oh, and she had withdrawn all of her savings that same day. 
Arthur Neal later found out that Mr. Lloyd had taken a life insurance policy out on his wife for 700 pounds, roughly 68,000 pounds today. He asked the coroner to delay reporting his findings to the insurance company while he looked into the case further. He then looked into the case of Alice Smith. A similar insurance policy was taken out by her husband, George Smith, a man who was physically described and had a lot of similarities to that of Mr. Lloyd. So, Arthur Neal asked for one more favor from the coroner, to submit a positive report to the insurance company in hopes that the suspect would contact his lawyer so he could claim the money. On February 1st, a man matching the description of both George Smith and John Lloyd came to his lawyer's office. Arthur Neal asked if he went by the name John Lloyd, and he confirmed. Then he asked if he also went by the name George Smith. He denied that name, but Neal knew he had his man. He was arrested for bigamy and suspicion of murder. But if he killed these women, these brides in the bath, how did he do it? Neither showed any outward signs of struggle, yet both baths were too small for a drowning. Margaret Lloyd's body was exhumed to determine if drowning was her cause of death, and if it was, whether if it was by force or some freak accident. Again, with the exception of a tiny bruise, there were no signs of force, and even the evidence of drowning was not extensive. Tests were run, but nothing gave them the answers. The coroner employed suggested that Arthur Neal run some experiments of his own in the same tub, so he had it set up in the police station. As news started to circulate about the brides in the bath, the chief police officer of Hearn Bay in Kent sent a report to Arthur regarding a death in his jurisdiction that matched his other two cases. According to him, a man named Henry Williams rented a home for he and his wife, Beatrice Williams, who were married in 1910. Seven weeks after moving into the home, Henry rented a bathtub for he and his wife. Shortly after, he took Beatrice to their local doctor, claiming he thought his wife was having epileptic fits. She said they were just headaches. On July 13, 1912, that same doctor, who checked on Beatrice just the day before, was shocked to find out that she had died inside of her bathtub. Her head was underwater and her legs were stretched straight out with her feet out of the tub. Her death was ruled a drowning as the result of an epileptic fit and, just like all of the other stories, her husband walked away with a large sum of money. Henry Williams was, obviously, also the man we knew as John Lloyd and George Smith. All three tubs were now in London and for weeks, everyone involved in the case looked at the size of the tub the measurements of the women, and the level of the water and scratched their heads. Then an idea came while looking at the information on Beatrice Williams' death. A sudden flood of water into one's nose and throat might just cause shock and sudden loss of consciousness, thus explaining the lack of injuries and minimal signs of drowning. So Arthur Neal did something unique. He hired several experienced female divers of similar size and build as his victims and placed them in the bathtubs. He attempted to push them underwater, but found signs of struggle. Then, without warning, he grabbed the feet of one of the divers and pulled her under. Almost immediately, he noticed the woman stopped moving and slipped into unconsciousness. He quickly pulled her out of the water while doctors took 30 minutes to try and revive her. When she came to, all she could remember was the rush of water to her face. 
Arthur Neal had his cause of death. George Joseph Smith, the man's real name, was arrested on February 15, 1915, and charged with the murder of his three former wives. It took the jury just 20 minutes to find him guilty, and George Smith, born January 11, 1872, was hanged in Maidstone Prison on August 13, 1915. This case was one of the first where a criminal was charged and had his guilt proved based on a system of comparing other crimes. It was also the first time similarities in crimes were used to establish deliberation. All of this set a precedent for future investigations and prosecutions. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on January 12th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime-obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy-to-listen-to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again, and have a wonderful day.